1: Good day, Bucknutters. It is Sunday, December 20th, 2020. I am Dan Rubin. This is Bucknuts Morning 5 on Sunday. I am joined by the People's Champ. Here's how this is going to play out. We are recording this show before the announcement of the college football playoff Final Four, and we will give you a reaction in real time to that. But first, backs, we must discuss Ohio State's win, 22-10 over Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. It was kind of like the season, some highs, some lows. and the end, Ohio State plays on. Let's start by actually giving out some of the positives. And here are mine. Trey Sermon, Justin Hilliard, the offensive line, a second-half shutout on defense. The floor is yours.
0: So if we want to talk positives, the number one positive to me was Ryan Day maturing as a play caller in a game where it was obvious the passing game wasn't working. The running game was staring him in the face as a guaranteed five yards a carry or more. Um, You could tell from pretty much the first couple plays on that first drive, I remember wondering why we didn't hand the ball off when they had the holding penalty on Harry Miller that called back the field's touchdown on the opening drive. This is a good thing for Ryan Day because he is the head coach and play caller, is extremely well-known for his passing game development, his quarterback development, and we saw it with the Haskins year where it was Haskins throws the ball everywhere. We saw it last year where, sure, they ran the ball, but it was a lot of just Justin Fields throwing it everywhere. Yesterday, look, we were missing Chris Olave, we were missing JSN. Fields didn't have the the best day throwing the ball, and when he hurt his thumb, it was not really an option. This was Ryan Day maybe getting a little more of a a maturity moment as a head coach where he said, you know what? This is working. I'm going to follow the Jim Trestle train and run the thing down their throat because it's working. To me, this was a great day for the offensive line. Uh, Harry Miller might have struggled early, but he settled in. And this was – everybody want to talk about what Ohio State was missing going into the game. There wasn't enough chatter about what they got back. And that's that offensive line that we had hyped up all offseason as maybe the best in OSU history. For the first time all year, they looked like a yesterday. Uh, not too many of those sacks that Fields took were on the line as much as it was on him holding the ball too long. And at the end of the day, the biggest positive for me is that Ryan Day recognized that you don't have to wheel the ball all through the air the whole darn time to end up having a really productive offense. So congratulations to Trey Sermon for being the beneficiary of Ryan Day deciding to ride a a successful horse. Uh, It's a historic day. I don't think anybody ever thought Trey Sermon, of all people, would set the single-game rushing record when he doubled his season total in one game. But that's something that I think we're always going to remember this game is the Trey Sermon game.
1: Yeah. Think about that in 2020 fashion. It's actually pretty much par for the course that Trey Sermon, a guy who transferred here and really didn't look like himself for the first half of the season was the obvious offensive individual MVP. And on defense, the MVP was Justin Hilliard, who was, I assume just the recipient of good karma, but he made three or four plays that actually had me wondering why he hadn't been on the field more this season.
0: Yeah. It wasn't just a pick in the end zone. He had one play, it was early on in the, was honestly, like maybe early second quarter. And there was a screen to the top yep. of the field. And Hilliard got out. And there was 20 yards if Hilliard doesn't make the tackle. And he, and he had
1: a blocker assigned to him, too.
0: Yep. And he got off to shed the block, too. Yeah. It was one of the best defensive plays. That, that was a like elite linebacker play where he shedded the block, flowed to the ball, made the stop, right? That was an incredibly good play. If that's the Hilliard we're getting for the playoffs, he better be on the field, to be honest, because. You know, people forget because it was like, you know, a decade ago, but the kid was a five-star recruit. So good for him. I, I'm glad in a season where a lot of things have gone crappily to the point where, like, he missed a game because he had um, a false positive for COVID. And then he missed a game because of contact tracing. But we finally got him back and he played the best game of his OSU career at a really good time.
1: I could see him having a Terry McLaurin-like NFL burst. I'm not saying he's going to be a stud like McLaurin is in the league, but I think he can go from being a sometimes starter here at Ohio State to a productive pro. I'm going to break it down to two plays that I think, had they gone a different way, we may be looking at things a little bit differently. One, the aforementioned hold on Harry Miller and was Justin Fields scored. He did not need to hold on the play. It's a four-point mistake right there. Secondly, Josh Proctor dropped a six-point interception yep. you cannot drop those the defense is set up to create havoc and those pressure situations to develop scoring opportunities like that you cannot drop that by the way that was the drive in which we they then drove down and threw the interception in the end zone which was a tremendous play but still had they gotten those 10 points you're talking about being up 16 10 at the half they pitched a second half shutout it's 32 10 i think we're all a lot happier your thoughts
0: well, I think the defense in general had a lot of missed opportunities. Like the first drive where they scored a touchdown, they absolutely got caved in for the first time all year. It was like they weren't ready to play. Um, I put on Twitter, I'm like, that's a you go to the sidelines and chew their ass out kind of drive because nobody did anything well on that drive. That's like a wake-up drive. After that, they have three points the rest of the game. Uh, but the reality is there was a bunch of plays that that defense could have made that would have made a huge difference. But you started seeing it when they forced Northwestern to kick the field goal where Northwestern was moving the ball again. And they, you know who it was? It was those D tackles who have been setting the tone all year. who stepped in and got two plays for a loss. And then I want to say on third down, it was Tyreek Smith who came in and made a really nice play um, to force an incomplete pass and that forced the field goal. And it took the Buckeyes a little while to get moving on D. But here's another play that you left out that I think is really important. Northwestern had that idiotic, let's throw the ball backwards, try to have some trick play that they lost like 24 yards or something insane on. When they had all the momentum, if they had just kept going down OSU's throat, they may have gone up big too. So Pat Fitzgerald bailed out the Buckeyes a little bit there when things were a little precarious early on. But I, I do think that the defense in general, look, 10 points against Northwestern is what I want. That's, I'm happy to see that. I thought they were going to give up more than that. Northwestern's not a great passing team though. And Ohio State's strength is against the run. So seeing Ohio State play well against a team that can't throw the ball defensively is kind of the expectation, but it was good to see it in practice because that's not a bad Northwestern team. They're very tough. And I have to say, this is the second straight week our defense, Dan, has put a young safety on the field who looked really good and makes me wonder why in the world Marcus Hooker should ever see the field again, to be real honest. You know, it was Ronnie Hickman two weeks ago, and then this past week it was uh, – well, who, who the heck's number 12? He made that pass breakup at the end of the game on fourth down. Lathan Ransom. Lathan Ransom. Yeah, Lathan Ransom. That was an awesome play. That's what he's supposed to look like. You know what that was? That was a guy who sat back in center field, and instead of just running around in circles like Marcus Hooker's been doing, he analyzed the play, recognized the play, and stepped up and interjected himself into the chest of the receiver and knocked the ball loose. That's what a safety looks like. That's what a confident safety looks like. Ransom and Hickman need to be the guys on the field with Proctor in any playoff game, not Hooker.
1: Okay, we are just minutes here from the announcement of the Final Four. What is your prediction for what's going to happen, and does that alter from what
0: you think should happen? My prediction of what's going to happen is probably the right answer, because, you know, I'm always right. But, (laughs) no, I, I think at the end of the game yesterday, the only scenario I wasn't really sure about was what happens if Clemson loses to Notre Dame. Obviously, that didn't happen. Clemson beat the doors off of Notre Dame, which did us all a favor for exposing Notre Dame for the fraud that they are nice and early. Uh, but I think that this playoff field is kind of already set. And the reality is is that no Alabama's the number one seed. They're frankly the overwhelming favorite to win the national championship this year, in my opinion. And then the two seeds gonna be Clemson, the three seeds gonna be Ohio State, because they don't want Clemson to play Notre Dame again. And Notre Dame will get in as the four seed. You're going to have Alabama, Notre Dame. You're going to have Clemson, Ohio State. If anything else happens, I will be beyond shocked. There's no way they're going to keep Notre Dame out, even though the committee has never put in a team who lost a championship game in the history of the college football playoff. And I can certainly listen to arguments as to why you can put in Cincinnati or Texas A&M, or if Florida had beat Alabama, we'd have had a real interesting day today. But at the end of the day, Ohio State is in. I'm almost certain they're the three seed, and that's kind of how I think it probably fairly played out.
1: We're going to take a quick break and come back with the results. Less than 10 seconds ago, it was announced Ohio State will be the number three seed in the college football playoff. Alabama was number one. Clemson was number two. As I'm speaking here, they're revealing number four. So Ohio State gets a rematch with Clemson, your first vibe.
0: This was inevitable. We said this a year ago. I remember writing about it in the bucket this year. I mean, with it being the pandemic year, it wasn't quite the Trevor and Justin story for Heisman like I expected it to be, but. I think everybody expected after last season, these two teams were going to be running into each other again. This sort of feels like, you know, to be the man, you have to beat the man, right? And Ohio State had a, a rough loss, no matter what part you blame it on last year in a game that they probably should have won. It felt like they were the better team. This is going to be Ohio State's hurdle that they're going to have to cross if they want to become champions is knocking off Clemson. So I am, I'm embracing this. Bring it on.
1: What do you believe the spread will be? They're going to play in Jerry World. For those who do not know, they moved the game from the Rose Bowl to the state of Texas, I believe, to ease the travel possibly, but also the attendance regulations. Give me a spread.
0: Well, originally, I think before yesterday, Ohio State would have been favored. I think it's a pick 'em right now. I can see no Clemson way. maybe no at way. most. I bet I it's, I'll them.
1: bet it's Clemson by four and a half. Well,
0: going into last week, they had the theoretical lines from Vegas, and it was uh, Clemson plus three against Ohio State before the championship games. You think it swung a whole touchdown?
1: I do. Wow. I do. Just because (laughs) that is largely based on what they think people will bet on. And Mm -hmm. given the way the last 48 hours has gone, I just think. Clemson's going to be a a more extreme favorite. I actually think this may work in Ohio State's favor. There's just going to be a ton of negative punditry about the Buckeyes over the next 13 days. Mm -hmm. The comparison, like at the beginning of the year, the narrative was... Justin Fields could catch Trevor Lawrence now I think you're going to hear some narrative this week that the quarterback from BYU Travis Wilson has passed Justin Fields I'm not saying I agree with it when it comes to the NFL do you think the Ohio State Buckeyes being a severe underdog for really the first time in a while will help
0: yeah I think it will I think Ohio State their players are pissed about last year's game I think this is an opportunity for them to get revenge. And I think people are going to be – everybody's been dogging them already. They only played six games. They only played six games. Ignore the fact this team fought tooth and nail to even have a season. You know, now they're going to expect Clemson to deck Ohio State. They're going to act like last year, oh, Clemson's going to beat them just like they did last year. Anybody who watched last year's game knows that Ohio State was probably the better team on the field that didn't work out for them for a variety of reasons. So I'm sure Ryan Day will be using it the next two weeks while everybody talks about how – Clemson is going to win, and they're going to play Alabama again because that's all they ever do is play Alabama in the playoff. Meanwhile, Alabama's going to have a cakewalk against Notre Dame, who is officially the number four. Uh, so I guess that's uh, congratulations, Alabama, on your 50-point win over Notre Dame. But I think Ohio State is going to have a lot of focus about how they're the team that's expected to lose this. And I'm hoping Ryan Day learned some lessons from the master motivator and Urban Meyer to be able to apply them to this game.
1: I think you'd be hard-pressed to say Ohio State's playing better now than they were at this point last year, but Clemson is not the team they were at this point last year. Yes, they have Trevor Lawrence. How do you feel about the matchup specifically?
0: Um, I'm scared as hell about Trevor Lawrence throwing the ball against this secondary, but I'm scared as hell about pretty much anybody throwing the ball against the secondary, so it's kind of built into the cake. Uh, I, I don't think Clemson's defense has particularly been good this year, though. They've had a lot of near misses in games. Uh, I, I think that this is a, a spot where – both these teams, I don't think, are as good this year as they were last year. If I'm being real blunt, I agree with you. Ohio State last year was way ahead of where they're at right now. And that's just through game reps and more experience with the loaded secondary. But, you know, Clemson's the same team that, you know, yay, good for them. They gave up 10 points to Notre Dame yesterday. Okay, that's fine. I, I, I think Notre Dame's a bit of a paper tiger, right? Uh, This is the same Clemson team that struggled with Boston College. It's the same Clemson team that struggled with Syracuse. the same Clemson team that gave up a ton of points to Notre Dame the first time through. I I don't think Clemson's this big, scary team we can't beat. I think Ohio State, as as a puncher's chance against anybody, if you had to pick one between playing Alabama and then playing Clemson, I'd much rather play Clemson.
1: I believe Ohio State's best punch is enough to get this done. They have 13 days to get ready. There's going to be a lot of chatter about whether or not they get Chris Olave back. My prediction is they do get him back. But Ohio State has enough talent to win this game, and they are going to be a national
0: underdog. Ooh, update, Dan. Ohio State is playing Clemson in the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, not the Rose Bowl game in Texas. That means they'll probably be the late game because typically the Rose Bowl game is the 430 game.
1: By the way, Notre Dame was the fourth team for those of you who are living under a rock. That is very interesting. Does that mean you think that Alabama chose to go to Texas? Because I believe that is how it works. And they may be doing that because they think they can pack the place.
0: Yeah, that's kind of what I'm wondering, too, is that they're not going to have as many people in the Sugar Bowl where, you know, Jerry World might have 30,000 people. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if that was the case. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened. I think we're also stuck with traditionally the SEC champ plays in New Orleans whenever they get the opportunity that we'll see. I, I assume that means Ohio State's playing the 8 p.m. game now.
1: Yeah, we're going to wrap this up here. It has been an unbelievable season to this point. On August 11th, the season was canceled. And this morning, Ohio State advanced to the college football playoff. So you know it was a roller coaster in between. Do you think they will beat Clemson?
0: Yes, I do. I thought they should have last year, and honestly, they played Clemson. This will be the third time they've played them since Urban Meyer took over during the Meyer Day era. The first game they played Clemson, they were up big on them. They had a punt return that was dropped, and it turned the game, and they ended up losing that one. And by the way, that pass defense was far worse than this year's, and there's no Sammy Watkins currently sitting on the Clemson team. Second time they played Clemson, they had a huge lead against them, and a couple crazy things happened. You'll never see a more impactful targeting penalty than the time Sean Wade tackled Trevor Lawrence in the chest in a 16-0 game when they would have been punting. And so Ohio State's big lead sort of faded away and they lost a heartbreaker. This is the third time that they've played Clemson in the last eight years, is it? seven years, whatever now. And honestly, I, I, it's hard to beat the same. Well, and I don't want to talk about the, uh, the other one where we got our doors blown off of us in the semifinal in a year where, you know, that's just not talking about 2016. But it's hard to beat a team that many times in a row that has this much talent like Ohio State. Ohio State's 0-3 during that time period against Clemson. 0-3. Nobody else has done that to them. So I think Ohio State's due. If there's ever such a thing as due, it's here. They have a great quarterback. They have a great team. I think they're starting to finally get their legs under them with their game reps. And like you said, they're going to be playing the underdog card left and right. And it's not often you can do that at Ohio State. So I think the Buckeyes are the, are the team to watch. They're officially the 8 p.m. game. Let's watch it, man. I'm excited. The Bucs, I think they're going to make the national championship. And then we'll see what they can do against Alabama. But we can talk about that on January 2nd if they get that far.
1: I'm obviously not going to pick against the Buckeyes. I think they're going to win, and this is why. Of all the chatter that's gone on, the two units that are absolutely peaking right now are the offensive line and the defensive line. I don't believe Clemson's faced either of that ilk. Have a good one, Bucknutters.